Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Catholic Truth Podcast, where we teach and preach the Catholic faith, which comes down to us over 2,000 years from Jesus and the apostles. We want to help you to know your faith, love your faith, and live your faith with purpose and passion. And we want you to be transformed by Christ and even be able to defend it. And as you know, on our YouTube and on our podcast, we sometimes have guests who have stories or who have written a book or who have some theological background and training. And today we happen to have a convert to Catholicism, another one, praise the Lord, hallelujah. And her name is Melissa Presser, and she was a Jewish uh, convert to the Catholic faith. <clears throat> and she was led home uh, by Edith, Edith Stein, as she says. And if you have no idea who Edith Stein is, she's a phenomenal saint, and you'll find out about that. And uh, she was a Jewish Catholic, but she's also a wife. She's a mother. She's an attorney. She's a writer. She's an author. She's actually writing a new book right now about her conversion story, and it's called Walking the Land. And it's going to come out uh, chapter by chapter with um, at Misio Dei Press, and uh, it'll also be available next year in full. So if you like this interview, definitely follow her and we'll leave her uh, information in the show description notes below. Melissa, I'm so excited that you found your way home to the Catholic Church and I'm so glad that you are on our show. Welcome. Thank you. I'm super excited to be here. Yeah, we're super excited to have you. And you said you found your way home. Excuse me, I think I have allergies or something, but you found your way home through Edith Stein. Now, most Catholics probably have no idea who Edith Stein is. Um, Maybe you could start just by sharing a little bit about her in her life. I have a book by her and I usually avoid it, to be honest, because it's (laughs) one of those, it's one of those saints where it's like, if you don't want to be slapped across the face with hardcore theology and hardcore, just give everything up for Jesus, (laughs) You, you know, it's like, she's hardcore. So maybe you can start by explaining a little bit of who she is and, you know, how she brought you in. Sure. So um, Edith Stein, um, as you may may be able to tell by her last name, it was Jewish or is Jewish. And she became a convert to the Catholic faith. Um, She was born in Germany and was actually born on Yom Kippur, which is the highest holy holiday, um, the Day of Atonement in the Jewish religion. And um, through a series of events, she ended up finding her way into the Catholic Church via St. Teresa of Avila. And uh, she was very inspired by her writings. She was also surrounded by a lot of Christians during the time that she was in university. She was a phenomenal philosopher. She was into phenomenology, um, just a great intellectual. And um, she eventually found her way into the Catholic Church and was baptized on New Year's Day. Um, And then the Nazi invasion uh, occurred. She had a want uh, to have a vocation to be a nun and religious. And it took her almost 11 years uh, to get there. But um, in the end, she held on to her faith and to Jesus. Um, and she made her way into the convent of the Carmelites um, after her predecessor, St. Teresa of Avila. Um, the sad news is that um, when they rounded up, when the Gestapo rounded up the Jewish Catholics during World War II, she was part of that, her and her sister Rosa. And she ended up dying at Auschwitz in the gas chamber on August 9th. And so her feast day is celebrated on August 9th and she became a martyr of the church and um, was canonized and she is now a saint and her religious name is St. Teresa Benedicta of the Cross. 
Yeah. And as I said, she's pretty hardcore. I mean, Pope John Paul II loves her. He loves her theology. Yes. He loves her, um, her, her imagery of the cross and just giving everything up for Jesus, no matter what it is, no matter how big and literally just loving Christ through suffering. And that's really difficult sometimes, but she's a great, great role model for that, isn't she? She's amazing. Um, I have her with me every day. I wear her medal and I'm constantly telling people about her. Obviously, she brought me into the church. And um, I would suggest to anybody that's listening, if you're interested in her, uh, Diane Traflett, who's uh, a dean at Seton Hall University, wrote a phenomenal book about her. I'll send it to you so you can put it in the show notes. And um, it was part of my conversion story. Diane is amazing. I, uh, I have a relationship with Diane now because I reached out to her and let her know that her book was part of my conversion. But she's like the foremost expert um, on Edith Stein. And um, she, she's also a phenomenal woman. Oh, send her my way. Maybe we'll do a whole show on Edith Stein. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> she's amazing. Yeah. Um, so that's great that Edith Stein, you know, made her way to the Catholic church and, and to become a nun despite the hardest circumstances. Um, why don't you talk about a little bit about you? I know you had some really uh, difficult and traumatic circumstances as well as a child and growing up. And I mean, maybe you could talk about your childhood, um, your Jewish childhood and um, some of the problems that you faced, which caused you to walk away from God. Um, so my family's Jewish on both sides. There's no Christians. Um, I was joking the other day with another person who was interviewing me. I said, I, uh, thought that all Gentiles were Christian. I had no clue. (laughs) Um, I don't know why I thought that, but that's what I thought as a child. Um, you know, I grew up in uh, the conservative temple. So just like in Christianity, there's different sects, you know, different uh, denominations. And I would say conservative Judaism is just like it sounds somewhere in the middle. It's not orthodoxy, but it's also not part of the more liberal or reform movement. Um, My parents were not religious, but I had a private revelation of God when I was about three years old um, that sort of prepared me for some suffering that I was going to endure. I didn't know it at the time, obviously being so young, um, but that's part of what I talk about in my book. Um, I am a survivor of sexual abuse trauma. And so I think or my view of what happened is that uh, God did appear early so that I knew he was real and tangible and um, that I would have him, you know, I would have him with me at, at all times. And, um, you know, I don't know what I would have done without that. I, I really held on to my faith as a Jewish person and my parents didn't go to temple. So they used to drop me off at temple sort of like, here you go, you know, <laughs> and um, I would go to Saturday services. I would go to Hebrew school. And my parents were wonderfully supportive of my want um, to be closer to God, to learn all the prayers. I only prayed in Hebrew. There was no English. So I had to learn. And I ask, if you don't mind me interrupting, um, how old were you when you were abused? Um, The first time I was abused, I was pretty young. I would say like five or six by another child. Yeah. And it wasn't something, you know, I'm in my 40s and I'm sure as you're aware, um, you know, back then that wasn't something that you talked about wasn't something that was disclosed. I don't even think, you know, as a young child, uh, I even knew what it was. Um, because obviously I hadn't been taught even at that young, those, those types of things anyway. So, um, it wasn't something I had disclosed to my parents or to anyone. Okay. I was just curious. And, and, uh, so you said you started going to school, Hebrew school, doing the whole thing. Yeah. So I started going to Hebrew school. I was a little delayed in going to Hebrew school. Um, because my parents were not members of a temple, the way the temple works is that you pay a certain amount of money and, um, you know, you're a member of, of that temple and, and membership sometimes can be very expensive and mm-hmm. in the thousands. And so, um, 
yes. So we were not members of the temple. And um, so that sort of was part of the delay of me going to Hebrew school. So actually in the book, I do talk about going to a remedial Hebrew school, which was interesting. And um, then kind of coming in a little bit later, preparing myself for my bat mitzvah at uh, age 13. Okay. And what happened from there? I mean, did you grow up to be a, a good Jewish girl? Um, I don't know. What is a good Jewish girl? Um, you know, I did the normal things. Uh, I, I, you know, down here in, in uh, South Florida, there's a large Jewish population. You know, I was friends. I had a lot of Jewish friends. Um, you know, I was involved in Jewish youth group, went to Hebrew school, like I said, and I became a bat mitzvah uh, when I was 13, which for the listeners that don't know what that is, it's essentially a transition into adulthood as a Jewish person. So, you, you know, you, you read from the Torah, you have a Torah portion you make a little speech and you have a little party. Um, and so um, I did, I made my bat mitzvah and, um, you know, I think it was around that time I started questioning my faith a bit. Um, I was, I was suffering from trauma, obviously that was non-disclosed. I was looking around and asking a lot of questions and um, you know, it was a difficult time for me. I was on my way to confirmation and I was like, this ain't for me. You know, this, this is not for me. And so I think that started sort of my falling away from my faith. It was, it was a mix of things. And how long did that search go on? Like some people drift off slowly. Some people go away quickly. And when you started falling away, how long did that last? What, what road did that take you down? I mean, I think that, um, I was still, you know, I was still going to high holy holidays. I was still, you know, involved in, in my Jewish community I think once I went to college, I was sort of like, okay, you know, I got to figure things out. I, you know, I just didn't know where the road was going to lead. I, I looked at other religions, Eastern religions. I never considered Christianity, but um, I was sort of a magnet for uh, people evangelizing me, I, you know, almost like they could read my spirit or something. And um, I remember being on campus at my college and um, some girls coming up to me and trying to evangelize me. And I was like, don't they know I'm Jewish? Like Jewish people don't, you know, aren't Christian. They're, I'm not a Gentile, you know? Um, but I didn't really understand it. So, you know, I, I did go to church uh, that one time with them and I was sweating. I was like, I do not belong here. What am I doing here? I had a horrible experience. Um, and that was sort of it, you know, probably through college, I was really like, like most people trying to find myself, where do I belong? And, you know, I was trying also to get help. Um, you know, I suffered from anxiety and depression. And, you know, as you can imagine, some of the things as a result of um, that type of trauma, I was later sexually abused as a teenager. And, um, and so um, it, it was something where I just felt like God had chosen me to suffer. Um, I, I wasn't angry with God, I just felt that he had chosen me to suffer. So that's definitely a big part of my story. Um, you know, that ties into how I made my way into the Catholic Church. And just so, you know, we get a lot of listeners from all different brands and even non-religious folk. And, you know, just for any clarification sake, you know, when we say that God chose us to suffer, we don't mean that God actually wanted those things to happen to you. Right? We don't believe that God, you know, made those people do it, but he allowed those things to happen to you to make you better so that you could, you know, reach many, you know, people in life. I mean, those people probably would have done those bad things. I mean, that's what happens in life, right? Evil happens to us. People, God tells us to do good, but people choose evil. But yet God revealed himself to you and said, he's going to be with you through it all in all. He has a plan for your life, you know, and that's, you know, he, he redeemed that evil and made, turned it into good. Would you say that's accurate? 
Yeah, well, I mean, you know, and I, I didn't know that then. And that's why I, when I said, you know, I felt that God chose me to suffer. I didn't have yeah. truth. I didn't have the church. You know, I think it's important for listeners who do, who have been, you know, have gone through trauma or maybe are unchurched or like you said, not part of the Catholic church, or even if they're part of the Catholic church, you know, sometimes we do feel, you know, that, and at least at that point that I didn't understand the role of suffering in, in the divine order that, you know, I really felt like, you know, God, you know, was, I don't want to say punishing me, but it was sort of like my lot in life and it wasn't going to get any better. Um, and this was sort of the God that I served. I didn't really understand. There was no uh, theology that I was aware of um, about suffering. You know, I had read books about suffering as far as Judaism was concerned, but um, nothing that sort of answered my question about, well, why, you know, why did this happen to me with the exception of the book? Um, you know, why bad things happen to good people, which I explained to another interviewer, I took them through across the room very promptly after I read it. Um, but yeah, I think a lot of people who have that those types of sufferings who really don't understand what God's role in, is in that, as you, you know, you just very eloquently explained, um, they get angry with God or, you know, God caused this or God did this or, you know, there's many different responses to trauma um, and none of them are wrong, you know, because it, you've gone through this really difficult thing. So I think um, later, as I understood Christianity, when I became a Christian, then I understood, yes, I serve a loving God. And yes, there's free will. And yes, there's all of these things. But you know, that was years later. So I suffered for quite some time. And that's amazing that Christianity is perhaps the only or one of the only religions on earth that you can find total and complete union with God, happiness, peace, interior joy, even through suffering. Like even through the deepest sufferings, we can find God and, and have the most intimate union with him because Christ suffered for us. He gave up his life out of love for us. So when we experience sufferings, we can offer these up out of love for Christ. And it actually draws us closer to Christ. You know, it's like a love gift that we give to him and he redeems us. He renews us. He makes us whole and new. And I always wondered why God made me suffer, made me suffer as a kid so much, you know, and I was abused a lot and bullied a lot. And I wondered why all these things happened. And now I look back and see all the thousands and tens of thousands, you know, of people that I've been allowed to help because of my circumstances that I never would have been able to help. I would, I could never understand people's pain if I hadn't gone through it myself. I could not understand the depth of what they went through, their crying, their, their desire for, you know, destruction and violence and other stuff if I had not gone through it myself. And God healed me as if it had never happened before. And with layers and layers and infinite more layers of joy and healing as if it never happened. And then I've been able to go give that love and peace and joy to the world. So it's amazing how God can redeem us just as Jesus rose from the dead and just, he was dead. And then he's alive forevermore in infinite glory. So he can glorify us and heal us and forgive us and make us new as he was made new. It's amazing. Yeah, I, I can't agree with you more. You know, I, and, and part of my ministry is talking about redemptive suffering, is talking about the wounds of Christ, is talking about how to offer things up. Um, you know, and that's why I always joke, you know, I, I wanted to be a writer since I was a little girl. And so life took me kind of on a different path based on my trauma. And I always joke that God held my pen because had I written and really gotten, you know, far with my writing, um, my writing had no hope. It was dark and it was depressing. Um, you know, and the type of things I were writing were, they were beautiful, but they were coming from a place of pain. There was no answers. And in my writing now, you know, I always include for my readers, well, yeah, I went through this and let me tell you what God did to redeem my suffering. And let me tell you what he does every day for me. And let me tell you how he's redeemed me from depression. 
and anxiety and, and suicidal ideation and all of those things. And, um, you know, it's part of my message it's part of my ministry, like you said, because, you know, you've been through these things, so you can empathize with people, you can point them to the direction of, of prayers to pray or um, ways that you can get closer to Christ. And, you know, and I always say my the wound that's the most hidden that people forget about is the wound of betrayal that Jesus endured. And that is the wound that I feel uh, closest to when I think about that wound. Yeah, you should see some of my old uh, poetry, too, because I love to write. And it's kind of the only way I could get stuff out. So I had the dark stuff, the sad stuff, as you did. But I also had the angry and psychotic stuff. I took a different route. I got really angry and really angry and um, violent and, you know, that sort of thing. And uh, my friends used to recommend me to counseling. That's when your friends in high school and college recommend you to counseling, you know, you have issues because they don't really do that sort of thing. But um, they were dark, you know, and I definitely stuff I definitely would have been arrested for today, for sure. Um, yeah. With everything that's been going on in the schools and such. But, you know, OK, so you're walking away from God. You know, you're a bit angry. You're confused. You're searching. You know, how did you start coming back to God? Did you find a church or something? Did you how did you get back into Christianity or how did you even no, get to Christianity? How did, how did I get to Christianity? That's a whole other story. Um, you know, I was pretty far away from everything. My grandmother had passed away, which was the closest person in my life. And I made a very conscious choice at her funeral to walk away from God. Um, you know, I remember saying to him, looking up, saying, you know, you go your way and I'll go mine. And I wasn't angry. I was just like, I'm just going to go my way and find my way. And um, that led to some very uh, dark paths because anybody that suffered from trauma, knows that you can suppress it only for a certain amount of time before it starts to rear its ugly head. And that's, that's exactly what happened. You know, that's exactly well, what too. happened. Yeah. And, and, you know, for all those years, I was able to be the straight A student. I was able to be the cheerleader. I was able to be, you know, the perfect Jewish girl, right. The per- everything's perfect. Right. I married the perfect Jewish man. And, um, and then my life fell apart. It completely fell apart. You know, I had never gotten any help. I never got to therapy. Um, and my life started to unravel and I just, didn't really feel the need that to live anymore. Um, and I was talking to my husband one night and I said, you know, who's, who's the best person, you know, you know, the best human being. And I don't know, you know, I ask these random questions because I'm always thinking, and, um, you know, we both came up with the same answer. Uh, this lady, Karen, and Karen was my husband's best friend's mother-in-law. And we didn't know she was Christian. I didn't know anything, you know, she never talked about Jesus, none of that. And I just felt that when I was around her, I was a better person. You know, she was always so loving and not judgmental. And I was able to tell her things. And um, long story short, when I used to be on Facebook, I um, I messaged her and I was like, hey, you know, uh, maybe you can take me to church sometime. I don't even know if you go to church, but, you know, I figured out oh, she's a Gentile. She goes to church. I mean, this is how stupid I was. And um, and so she was like, oh, you know, you have a divine appointment and um, whatever that meant. And, um, you know, I'm going to take you to church. And uh, later that day or I'm sorry, the next day I ended up going to a non-denominational church in the non-denominational movement on that Sunday, um, laughing at myself because when I got there, I was dressed like I was going to shul, which, you know, the long skirt and, uh, you know, I was very conservative and everybody there was in shorts and t-shirts. And, um, and so that's how it started. Um, when I got to the church and I was sitting next to her, there was a traveling preacher that was there and he started talking about everything that was, I, that I was going through. I mean, it was very particular. And I looked over at her and I said, um, oh my God, I was crying. And I'm like, how could you do this to me? You betrayed me. You told this man, you know, everything I'm going through. And, and she looked over at me and said, what are you talking about? She was hysterical crying. And she was like, 
it's the Holy Spirit. And I'm like, what's the Holy Spirit? You know, I'm yelling at her. What's the Holy Spirit? And, um, and I, I was frozen. I was like, what does that mean? And she said, Melissa, it's God. And we walked out of that service and I was sitting on this little couch that was outside and she was like, can I pray over you? And I was like, I don't care what you have, what you do. I was in such a dark place. I was like, go for it. You know? And I just remember her praying over me in English and, and just her praying over me in English and being able to understand what she was saying. Um, I was an emotional wreck. I was like, this woman is holy. Like this woman, there's something that's going on here. And so that's how it started. That was my very, uh, that was my beginning in Christianity um, was through the non-denominational church. And how long did you attend that church? Um, I was in the, I was a Protestant for a couple of years. Um, I had a St. Paul conversion. I mean, I was the, I was the girl, like the next week I came in, I walked down the aisle and, you know, altar call and, and she, she's now my godmother, but she was like, what are you, what is she doing? You know, like everybody's walking out and she's walking towards the front, you know, of the stage. And, and I was like, you know, I'm go hard or go home. Like I'm all in, you know, and, and I had said to Christ that week that I was in church with her, you know, if you save my life, I will serve you for the rest of my life. I don't know who you are, Jesus. I don't know what you want from me. I was like, but if you save my life, I, I will serve you for the rest of my life. And, um, and he did, he saved my life. Um, and because he saved my life, I, I was going to make good on that promise. And so I went down that stage, you know, all the way down that aisle and said yes and said some kind of prayer and, you know, stuck a cross on because I thought that's what you do, you know, when you're a Christian. So that's what we did. We, I was like, I don't know what I'm doing, but, you know, I'm going to follow this Jesus, you know. Amen. Praise God. Um, we're very similar. I had, I had a very <clears throat> um, same. I said I have a St. Paul style conversion as well. Incredibly powerful, transformed yeah. night and day inside out and just amazing. So I'm really glad that you experienced that as well. I'm glad that you experienced, you know, the power of Christ, his healing presence. I mean, we have, we've done some amazing, amazing conversion stories on here, former Buddhists, former Hindus, that sort of thing. And one of my favorites is um, uh, Mohini Christina, who was a former Hindu. And she says very, I think she had like 13 suicide attempts. She had like, uh, like tons of demons when they were cast out. And uh, she says none of her 330,000 million, whatever it was, gods could help her, but Jesus Christ literally transformed her life like so powerful. And it's what happened to you. That's what happened to me. And when people really give their whole life to Christ, he transforms them like nothing else. And it's amazing. Yeah. And that's exactly what happened. I mean, people were so confused. I had a cross on, you know, my parents were asking my husband, like, why is she wearing a cross? People at work were confused. Everybody was confused. I was, you know, so <laughs> overtaken by the Holy Spirit that, you know, nor did I care much for what anybody thought, you know, thought about me in terms of what they thought about my conversion. I was like, I made a promise to this God and I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to go back on that promise. I'm not dead. You know, I'm not dead. And he saved my life and appeared to me and, um, and, and I'm not going backwards and whatever that means. And I already knew what that was going to mean. That was going to mean losing friends. That was going to mean losing my community. That was going to mean losing family, whatever it was going to mean. Um, I, you know, how much, how prepared can you be for that? I don't know that you can ever be prepared for that, but I wasn't going to go back on that promise. He, and he started to transform every area of my life. Awesome. Amen. Amen. So glad to hear that. And so you started to find a lot of healing, hope, joy, peace, basically everything that you've been searching for all your life and could not find. And that's amazing. 
So um, let me ask you then, how did you find your way to the Catholic church? You knew Jesus. He, you loved Jesus. You were giving your whole life to Jesus. But how did you find your way to the Catholic church specifically? So I really felt like something was missing, especially during communion. I, I would tell my husband, Shlomi, I was like, this just isn't cutting it for me. You know, um, it, it felt a little strange. I also was so used to like a liturgical type of practice that, you know, having just a stage was a little odd to me with flashing lights and that kind of stuff. Um, but I really started to feel this call from the Holy Spirit to pray in a chapel setting. And it was very specific. And I, I spent so many months chasing this call and I would call all these churches during the day. And I'm like, are you open? Are you open so I can come pray? They're like, no, we're closed during the day. And I was like, this is crazy. Like, what do you mean you're, you're closed? And, um, all these non-denominational churches or non-Catholic churches weren't open. And at the same time, I was running a, a pretty popular blog at the time when blogging was a thing, you know, um, back in the still day. Is. And, and still is. But, you know, when it first came out, it was all the rage. Um, and so I was running this faith-based blog and I was friends with a lot of different uh, Christians on there who were also blogging. And this Anglican woman was like, hey, you know, um, she emailed me because we had become friends. And she said, you remind me of Edith Stein, you have to read these books about Edith Stein. And I was like, okay, cool. Like I, to me, I was searching for truth. I was not going to put a cap on God. You know, I'm an attorney. So, you know, I'm always searching for the truth. I'm always researching and and trying to get the right answer. So um, I read, a. she gave me three books to read. I read the series of three books. And by the end of that third book, I was done. You know, I, I was done. I had learned about the Eucharist. Um, you know, I was on the journey home and part of the story that I told there, you know, was that very first book when I opened it, that very first page, it said Edith Stein was born on October 12th. And that was my, that's my birthday. Wow. Um, and I just was blown away. And and then page three said, you know, Edith Stein was very close with her grandmother and her grandmother's name was Adelheid. And my grandmother who passed away, my best friend, her name was Adelaide, which is the, the English what? version. Oh that's God. Crazy. I, oh, it was crazy. It was nuts. And then you, I just kept reading and I was like, Oh my God. Like there was so much similarities. It, I mean, it was so eerie. And, um, I had a friend who was at work at the, the work I was doing at the time. And I would go and tell him, I was like, I sit in the parking lot at St. Gregory's and I cry because I can't go in there and I'm not Catholic. And he's like, what the heck are you talking about? Like, we're going to go into this church, you know? And, uh, that's what happened. He took me into the church and we were in the chapel. And the Blessed Sacrament was exposed. Um, at the time, I had no clue what the Blessed Sacrament was. Um, <clears throat> and he was very generous with me because he just sort of let me be. And he showed me how to kneel in front of the monstrance. And he was just like, I'm not going to tell you anything. I just want you to, to sit and hear and listen. And I just felt the presence of God. You know, I knew God was there. I didn't know what it meant. Um and so the next day, as I tell the story, I'm thinking back and it's kind of funny, but like, I felt like I was like sneaking out during my lunch break, like, oh, okay, no one's going to see me going to this Catholic church, you know, like I was such a rebel. And, um, and so I went back to that same chapel the next day and I was like, okay, me and God, we're going to have a face off because like, what are you doing, God? You know? Um, and so again, I kneel before the blessed sacrament and I don't, I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. And, um, but I felt peace. And I left there. And as I was leaving the parking lot of that church, um, I looked up and there was this brilliant flash of light in the middle of the day. And um, I heard God say to me, Melissa, it's time to come home. 
And that's how I made my way to the Catholic Church. Oh, it's amazing that, you know, I talked to, you know, Roy Shulman, you hear all these, you know, different Jewish converts. He is, we had him on this show. He did a phenomenal show. Um, And they just all have these supernatural experiences. I don't know what's with it, maybe because the Jewish God's chosen people, he favors them. But whenever they come home, there's always some supernatural experience attached. Oh, Mary appeared to me and literally just told me to become Catholic. What? (laughs) Who's Mary? I don't even know who Mary is. And she's telling me to become Catholic, you know, like, what? Um, And so, or, you know, I met Jesus or he, you know, and he bred me, led me home. That's crazy. And by the way, my, my birthday is the day after yours, October 13th. Oh, look Um, at that. More in common. Yeah. Yeah, So, um, so he told you to come home and how long did that take? So you started studying or you just went to a priest? Like, what did that look like? So I ended up going to a mass, um, with my friend and, um, and I wasn't even thinking, I was like, God, there's no way you're making me a Catholic. I don't even know a practicing Catholic. Like I was like, what the heck is going on? You know? So I went to this mass and I looked up during the mass and I saw four cups of wine. This was before COVID when they were still serving the wine. And I didn't know that, you know, that wasn't the number, meaning like other parishes may not serve four cups. But to me, I was like, it's the Passover, the four cups of wine. And so that was all set up for me because he didn't, even, my friend who is a cradle Catholic was like, what are you talking about the four cups of wine? I'm like, the four cups of wine. Like Scott Hahn talks about that a lot, right? The four cups of wine. And, um, and so I recognized that right away as a Jew, you know, I was like, oh my God. And I'm like, okay, come on, God. You know, and I walked out. And this beautiful African priest was there in that, you know, in that church. And so my friend introduced me and, um, and I'm talking to him and he's like, so you're going to start RCIA. And I'm like, what are you talking about? You know? And he's like, RCIA. I'm like, what's that? So, um, he's like, you know, when you become a Catholic, and I said, who says I'm becoming a Catholic father, you know? And it was like, no matter where I went, it was like, God was like, you're done. Like, you know, you're, you're coming home. I already, you know, told you that this was going to happen. Um, and you know, I always call God the hound of heaven after that poem, because that's how God has always been in my life, you know, the hound of heaven. And, um, I just didn't have a choice at that point. The voice was so loud that, um, I ended up kind of driving around and trying to find a Catholic church. And I found one, I ended up finding one near me. And, uh, I remember pulling up and I was walking around and the priest just happened to be in the rotunda, you know, kind of in front of the church in the middle of the day, bizarre. And he said, uh, He's like, can I help you? And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> can you, Father? Um, you know, we had a really a nice talk. That was my first parish. Um, and I ended up going to RCIA at that parish. That's fantastic. And um, what does your Jewish family say about all this? Um, I have to give a shout out to my wonderful parents. They're the most beautiful human beings. I love them. And God bless them because other Jewish parents might have not have accepted their daughter the way that my parents have. My parents uh, love me unconditionally and, um, you know, it, it didn't matter what, what I did. Th- there was no denying that I've always been close to God. My mother and father would tell you that, um, being the, the religious one, I guess, in the house. And, um, you know, I don't think it was a surprise. You know, I talked to, to family or friends that I still talk to from, you know, when I was a child. And um, I remember when I had my conversion, they're like, oh, this isn't a surprise. I'm like, what are you talking about? You know, they're like, you're like a poster child for Christianity. You know, you're empathetic and, you know, you're merciful and you're, you know, and all the things uh, Jesus was. So, um, you know, my parents were really great. What is that saying in reverse? uh, Yeah, I don't know. I I don't even know. I was just like, all right, you know, I I didn't get it. But now, you know, 
looking back, I get, I get it. And I always kind of joke that my Jewish mother may be Catholic because, you know, she instilled all these wonderful uh, virtues in me, uh, service to others, um, being kind and empathetic. Um, you know, my mother's a wonderful person. And so, and she actually worked as a nurse at a Catholic hospital. So the nuns were always there, the priests were always there. And, um, so she was very familiar with, with the Catholic church. She was, you know, she, she was, she knew about the Catholic church, obviously. Okay. But she was never open to Christianity in any way. No, you know, I think everybody's kind of got their, their own spiritual story, but, um, but she was at least familiar, you know, just from working at that hospital. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's amazing how similar Judaism and Catholicism are. I mean, if you're going to make the leap, you know, like you, it's, yeah. it's, it's, Protestantism doesn't come from Judaism. It's the Catholic church that comes from Judaism. And um, it's very interesting. I actually remember this, a story uh, of, I was in a Catholic church, my own parish, and this grumpy little Jewish woman comes in and she's like, where the heck am I? Super grumpy. <laughs> And she's like, I'm supposed to be here for something. What is this church? I don't even know what this church is. I'm Jewish. And um, I'm like, oh, well, this is a Catholic church. Welcome. And uh, she's like, what's a Catholic? And I was like, <laughs> I was like, it's a Christian church. You know, the original Christian church started by Jesus. She's like, Jesus, huh? Hmm. Well, I don't understand what any of this means. I was like, well, actually, you know, we consider the Jewish faith, our older brothers and sisters in the faith, because we believe, you know, we came out of the Jewish religion, you know, because Jesus is Jewish, or the founders of our, you know, religion were Jewish. So, you know, there's a lot of similarities, you know, between our religions. I said, here, come here. And I brought her up to the altar. And I said, look at that up there. What is that? And I said, that's the tabernacle. I was like, Jewish people have a tabernacle too. And what's next to the tabernacle? The, the that candle right there is the uh, I forget exactly what the Jewish people call it, but it's like the light that burns forever. It's supposed to represent the symbol of God. Mm -hmm. I was like, I remembered it at that time. I can't remember it now, but I was like, I was like, we have that too. And look over here, we have an altar, the altar of sacrifice, you know, and I started going around the whole Catholic church and I said, we have Alleluia, Jewish word, Hosanna, Jewish word. And um, that sort of thing. She's like, oh, she's like her whole tone changed. She's like, I didn't know that. She's like, actually, this is very interesting to me, but what's this over here? Look at this over here. This is my big pick with you guys. You have idols. And uh, I, she was point. She pointed to uh, three statues. It was Jesus, Mary, and Joseph. You know, as like the holy family. And I said, oh, those aren't idols. You know, maybe in the pagan days, you know, they used to worship statues, but nowadays we don't worship statues. They're just pictures, uh, and they tell stories of the people they represent. And I was like, kind of like having pictures of your friends and family in your, in your wallet. So I'm giving her this whole explanation of the Catholic faith, and she's like, wow. She's like. She's like, I never would have thought I would say this, but, you know, I can see the similarities and, you know, it's, it's not all that bad. I love that. That's awesome. I wish I was there for that. That would have been awesome. Yeah. So, you know, I welcomed her and I sent her off and I tried to give her, you know, a good example of, you know, Christianity and that sort of thing. I'm sure you did a wonderful job. <laughs> thanks. Thanks. And uh, so let me just finish up with this question. Um, you know, you've been Catholic for about six years now. And, um, you know, do you feel like you're at home? Like, you know, you never felt fulfilled quite right at, you know, the non-denominational churches, you know, what's your experience of being Catholic? Um, it's been the greatest experience of my life. You know, a lot of the healing that I needed has happened, obviously, since I've been Catholic and healing, as you know, is an ongoing process. But, um, you know, what a beautiful way to heal, you know, 
with the sacraments, with the Eucharist. Um, we also have a sacrament of anointing of the sick if you're in serious, you know, illness or serious mental illness. Um, there's just a myriad of ways um, that you can heal within the Catholic Church. And that's what I felt. I felt, you know, first I needed to heal and I knew I was home. You know, it was such a different feeling than being a Protestant. Um, I, I didn't feel that divide like, oh, you're a Jewish Christian. You know, it was like, you're just Catholic, you know, and I'm Jewish. Of course, I'm Jewish. But, you know, people let me be Jewish. Um, and I think that's important. You know, as a Protestant, I felt like people try to strip me of that. That was a big issue for me. And they would point to, you know, that that verse that talks about neither Jew nor, you know, Greek nor slave nor free when St. Paul's talking. About. And I was like, that's not what that means. You know, I'm like, that's not what that means. You know, I'm like, it's an ethnicity. Being Jewish is an ethnicity and it's part of my identity. And don't strip me of that. Um, when I became a Catholic, that was such a an amazing experience for me that I didn't experience that. And um, in fact, all my Catholic friends really were learning from me. And I uh, used to joke like, you know, you're the, you're the best Catholic that uh, we've ever known, you know, because uh, you're making us better Catholics. And um, because like I Roy Shulman says that too. He says, you know, I'm, it's not that I left my Jewish faith. It's because I became a fulfilled Jew. I came home to Jesus Christ and now I'm a fulfilled Jew the way it's supposed to be. Yeah. All those things that I wanted for all those truths that I asked God about all the questions I had about my suffering you know, I mean, God just was answering questions for me left and right. And, um, you know, I mean, obviously the Catholic church, I was referred to as like an ocean, you know, you, you dig a little deep and then you're deeper, um, depending on how far you want to go. Um, and especially loving the mystics. I'm, I love reading the mystics and all of those things. So huh. you know, the Catholic, I love Stein it. Stein alone yes, is an ocean. I know. I and now imagine part- all the Catholic saints. <laughs> I know it, it is overwhelming, but I, I feel um, I never don't have an answer. You know, there's always a prayer. There's always a, a priest that someone will refer me to. There's always a person. Um, you know, it's crazy. My editor was talking about, all right, you know, you're getting your writing out there and things are picking up and, um, you know, you got to get on Twitter. And I'm like getting on Twitter and, you know, I'm thinking to myself, like, there's all these other people out there, these thousands of people out there. And, you know, I've connected with people in Africa and um, in uh, several countries, I've connected Canada and the UK. I just sent a priest friend of mine that I met on Twitter, you know, um, uh, ordination gift over in the UK. And um, it really is a universal church. It's the closest to home that I'll ever be to heaven, you know, until we get to heaven. Um, but I don't have that want anymore. You know, Edith Stein says, you know, my life was um, was one long prayer, you know, in this sort of search for truth. And that's what I felt, you know. I was always wanting, like, what's the answer? Will I ever be happy, God? You know, will I ever not be suffering, God? Will I ever have answers? Um, and, you know, life isn't perfect, as you know. I mean, you know, things happen. We still suffer and all those things. But that big answer that, you know, people search for, what is my purpose? Why am I here? Why do bad things happen to good people? Like, all those questions have been answered for me. Um, and I have to give all glory to God, you know, in the way he allows me to express that through my gift of writing. Um, because that has been such a cathartic experience for me to be able to share with other people who, um, maybe feel that they've been, or they've been away from the church or they don't know how to come back to the church or they don't know how to relate to the church. Um, Mm. because all of my writing is really about that. It's about my experience or as my godmother would say, my experience, my strength and my hope. Um, because everything you read is real. I don't make up stories. Right. So I'm, I'm (laughs) talking about what I, right. What I've been through and what God did for me so that people have the hope of Jesus Christ in his church and the truth um, without hitting them over the head and saying, you need to be a Catholic, you know? Um, no, everybody's got their own journey. So, you know, read what I have to say. I'm somebody that was open 
to wherever God was going to take me, wherever that was going to be, you know, and um, I'm so grateful to God that I became a Catholic. Every day I wake up. Sorry, I think you're, uh, you were breaking up a little bit at, at the end. I heard you say, <clears throat> I think you said, uh, I'm grateful every day that God made me a Catholic. Sorry, we're having severe yes. thunderstorms here. So I think the um, <clears throat> the quality is a little lagging, um, but we did hear the end. That's okay. Um, and I'm really glad to hear that. Praise be to God. Thank you, Jesus, for bringing her home. And uh, maybe you can write some articles for our website, too. We'd love to post some of your articles, you know, and reach more people in that aspect, too, if you'd like to. Um, but thank you. Yeah, thank, you thank you. Thank you. Thank you for sharing your story with us. Thank you. You know, it's been a great joy. Um, you know, I don't know why God chose me sometimes to tell my story, but I'm just so grateful because there's so many people that are hurting that are suffering, that don't have answers. And they think there's no answer. And there is, you know, the answer is Jesus Christ and his church. And, um, and I wish more people would know that. So hopefully through, you know, both interview and Catholic media and my writing, people will hear my story and, um, and ask questions, you know, if that's Amen. the very least they can do. And where can people find you? <clears throat> what do you want? Um, you know, maybe, and we'll obviously link it down below, but do you have a website sure. or do you just write? Yeah. Books, so um, I'm part yeah, yeah, I have a lot of things going on. But, um, you know, my biggest uh, project right now that I'm so uh, excited uh, to talk about is missiodaycatholic.org, which I'll give you all the website for that. That's our new independent Catholic publisher run by Philip Haddon, who's extraordinary. He's my editor, and um, it's a startup. Um, I'm releasing my book with them chapter by chapter um, until it's in print. So it's available now for paid subscribers. So I'll uh, include that information. Um, for media inquiry or just my writing or what I'm doing, there's melissapresser.com, which kind of includes, you know, just all of those sorts of things. Um, I also write for Catholic Mom, which is an amazing, amazing ministry. Um, Catholic Mom has been really good to me. And I freelance. I was just uh, recently um, accepted to write for Patheos Catholic. So I'll be starting that soon. And I freelance upon request. You know, um, anybody that wants to hear my story, I'm happy to share it with them. And I'm super excited about my book. Uh, coming out with Missy O'Day, Walk the Land, which will uh, document my journey, both with trauma um, and my conversion. Um, it's been the greatest work of my life. Very difficult to write, but um, chapter four is going to yeah. be released this Sunday at Missy O'Day. So uh, thanks be to God. Fantastic. So if you want to know about uh, Melissa, uh, check her out and uh, in the contact information below. Check out her book, check out her blog, check out her website. And if you would like her to come to your parish, then invite her. I mean, um, she has a wonderful story. And obviously, if you would like us to come to your parish, we will come too. Uh, we give confirmation retreats, we give parish missions, we give uh, conferences. So, you know, what? we got a lot of speakers in the church who can meet your needs. So, um, you know, check out our information down below as well, people, thecatholictruth.org and also our social media. Thank you all for watching today. Thank you all for tuning into this wonderful episode and the conversion of a sister who has come home to the Catholic faith. Uh, please check out the show's uh, description notes below and please like this video and please leave a comment. We'd love to know your thoughts and uh, welcome her home. And uh, we'd love you to share this video as well because liking, sharing, Comments, all of these things help to make the videos more popular and help the word to get out there and you help us evangelize. Most of all, keep us in your prayers as we are always praying for you. God bless you all.